0: I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business.
1: I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik, and I'm joined today. Full table here to my left, Ben Searing, custom Dies Across the table, marketeer Preston Lentfer and engineer Ryan Damon. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. It. It's our pleasure. It is Sited. indeed a pleasure because we're talking about something that we're all passionate about. Um, you know, we're recording this in August. You'll probably hear it in September. It's it's hunting season today, now. I mean, there are seasons that are going to be opening here in just a couple weeks. Well, there's now. some big game seasons in Nebraska that are open right now. Archery antelope is going right Archery now. antelope. And then on the big game side with a rifle, you've got the Colorado early season. You know, those high elevation tags, those are going to be opening up. And this is just an exciting time and we're all shooters. That's what, that, that's what we do. You know, we do it. We got a job in that field because that's what we like to do. And we, you know, if I could speak for all of us, like that's just what we're doing. So it's a unique opportunity every, every year you get to this point, seasons are coming up and we've spent all season, uh, you know, hunting. And then, then you got, you know, Christmas and you got Thanksgiving and you've got kids programs and you've got family events and you got this, that and the other thing, and then it's spring and summer and you're mowing the lawn and next thing you know, the hunting rifle has been sitting in the back of the safe, collecting dust, hasn't been massaged and manicured and and, and played with. So now we're we got hunting season coming up on us. I just want to bounce around and get some different perspective for what you guys do to take your rifle from, oh, I threw it in the safe last year to it's hunting season now. And, uh, you know, maybe you guys never threw it in the safe and you've been shooting it all year, who knows, but let's just take this time to bounce around the table, throw it over to Ben, talk about what you do, what kind of hunting you've got coming up and what you're going to do to prep your rifle for that hunt. And maybe how that compares to what you used to do before you, you know, were employed or or your younger days, perhaps. Well, younger days was pretty much
0: non-existent. Uh, dad would, uh. I put it away and sided in. By golly, it's still sided it in. <laughs> and we proved him wrong since because this is a big deal on this hearing homestead. You know, we we pick a date and we all meet together like on a Saturday. This is, you know, my brother-in-law's sisters, all the nieces and nephews, dad, everybody comes. And I set up a range across the bean field. Well, it was beans last year, be corn this year. But we, and I pick. We have a 100-yard, I set up a pallet, and I set up four targets on that pallet so mm-hmm. we can make sure that the 100-yard zeros are good for the young ones. Um, and then I drive out randomly on the four-wheeler, drive a steel post, and I have a hang-on 8-inch gong I put on that, drive further, stick another one, and then I drive to the far corner. Um, so like last year when we when we shot rifles, it was like 220 Three thirty-three and 437 um and i just range find them i've got a pair of laser find range finders but we start out that's like a big day everybody loves it we we eat first and uh, it's almost like a picnic and then we head to the head to the bench i try to set everything up got my pickup there and and i've got the uh bench rest there for everybody that wants to use it everybody brings every rifle they want and i pretty much clean out my safe because I like to have options, you know. Yeah. Am I going to take the 450 Bushmaster, am I going to take the 6 Creed or the 7 Rem Mag, the old um, 300 wind Mag? Exactly. Yeah, pull it out. Yeah, the old yeah, minute of deer and it still does it too. <laughs> still does. It. In fact, last year I hit that 437 uh yard target with it. I didn't think I could just because when I try to, you know, I reload obviously, um I tried to do the whole seat the bullet out to the lance trick, and the bullet came right out the neck of the case. That's how bad the throat shot out in it. But <laughs> well, that was one of your first rifles, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I started at 11 years old hunting with that Dang. Winchester Model 70. Thanks, Dad. And I still kill deer with it today.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Um, now,
2: but correct. yeah, so we sit down. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is eastern side of Nebraska. Not not all the way to the east, but on the Platte River Valley, right? Platte River, south
0: of the Platte River, southeast, basically. In
2: what uh, they bo-
1: call the Bohemian Alps. Yeah,
0: oh yeah, the bo- Bohemian
1: Alps, that's it. You nailed it, yeah. you nailed it. So where my sister lives, oh. out, out over there. Sure, sure. But beautiful country, p- plenty of whitetail deer, and in good bucks, too. They got places to hide. There's a lot more trees, standing trees left uh, there than there is around here. Yeah, it's it's really good area. Uh, no mule deer to speak of.
0: I think when I was young, I seen one, but lots of whitetail. But I personally have an antelope hunt coming up and a whitetail hunt. And normally we try to do this around dad's birthday. So it becomes a birthday celebration as well. Oh, that's cool. His birthday's end October, but my antelope hunt's early October. So I need to get ready. So we'll probably plan it sooner. But just everybody takes turns. You know, I make sure the young ones get down there and shoot. Um, Then we start with dad and then the more experienced hunters shoot. uh, They shoot for zeros and they're always looking back. I've got one. one of my nephews Isaac uh not Isaac excuse me Ray was a little flinchy so we did the whole okay you look away all right it's ready and sometimes it would go off and sometimes i didn't put any
1: ammo in oh, it oh yeah so
0: we could work with that flinch but he's far better now far better but uh
1: so you guys are running 100 yard zeros on your stuff and that those hills are are a little more aggressive not the right word but it's there's some topography in that neck of the woods, yeah. so shot distances. It's either going to be pretty close or pretty far. The middle distance stuff, kind of. Ex- yeah, it's pops. not there. Yeah, like for
0: me, it's it's within a hundred, and then the next hill is five hundred, and then eight hundred. But mm. I don't go to eight hundred usually on whitetail. I figure I can close the gap because yeah. I'm on private ground. Sure. Um. But yeah, so we start out like that. Um. And the funny story I was going to say about Dad never sighting his rifle. He grabbed his. He grabbed his uh, 270. Let me show you how it's done, kid. Sat down there, boom, at 100 yards. Dirt clear over here. I was like, what's going on? Boom, did it again. Same dirt spot. I said, it's not on. <laughs> oh, it can't be. So we stuck a four-by-eight piece of plywood up there, and I stuck the, ta- the target up in the bottom right corner, and he was like 36 inches right and a whole bunch down. Dang near hit the bottom of that four-foot target. <laughs> and I said, see? Well, this Tasco has never failed me. Well, I'm just telling you it did. Since 1977. Yeah, tasko, I'm you sure. know, because this is important. You, you can do all the scoping, all the scouting. We've got pictures. Ryan and I have been sharing pictures of some bucks. We're finding oh, on some mutual property. Yeah, yeah. We can do that all we want. But when the moment of truth comes, and the deer you've been looking for prevents itself, presents itself, if you can't hit it, you yeah. know, yeah. So we practice. And then... You know they all have their normal rifles, and then I pull out the, you know, the custom rifle I have, and everybody gets to poke at the 437. I just call wind, and and to see the kids' eyes light up. Oh yeah, when they hear that kowong at that 10-inch gong, at that distance, you know, even Dad was surprised. I never thought you could hit anything that far. Yeah, I said, yeah, you can. I mean, it's just, you know, of course, the hundred yards is for the kids that aren't dialing for dope. My buddies and and some of my brothers that dial. You know, we get the Kestrel out and we do everything because we've already done the Ford off. Uh, oh, sure. Excuse me. We've already got profiles set up in the Ford off and we know with Labrador our velocities. So unless something changes, you know. The, the biggest challenge for me a lot of times because you put those guns away. Some of them never get taken out during the season, so they're back in there after sighting them. Mm-hmm. Is finding all the ammo for them. And <laughs> I need to do a better job at writing down the tablet. Let's see, did I shoot the 103s? oh yeah just you, gotta, know, you know just keep which which ammo did i shoot was it the handloads or was this this bought and stuff you know it's yeah that's because then you get out there and you got to kind of start over but yeah it's a big deal and it's it's a lot of fun we enjoy it yeah I mean, that's
1: that's really neat that you guys make such a uh such an event out of it because you know for for a lot of us in nebraska and, and east and and the western hunters too but uh whitetail hunting is is such a borderline rite of passage and you do it in you know groups of people and usually there's a lot of family and really close friends and it becomes such a a Uh thing you look forward to every year and then to to make that hunt last that much longer you just get everybody together beforehand and zero rifles kind of get two awesome times of the year well
0: it, it is it is it's really it's really cool um you know when i was young i couldn't wait till i turned 12 Um, that shows my age because now you can be 10 and hunt with another adult Mm. and i've got 10 years old nephews going in fact funny sorry i have a niece that doesn't like to shoot but loves to hunt wants to get a tag every year and she was there last year and wanted to go play i said you got to hit that gong i tell you what you go out there at that 220 yard gong and you hit that gong you can go play she sat down on the rifle (laughs) bing now are you happy? And she walked away. (laughs) So it's just, it's just funny. So, but yeah, I mean, we've seen problems. We've, we've seen problems during this process and it was a aha moment. Like
1: we need to get this fixed. So it was a good time. That's that is, that sounds like a good time. Ryan across the table here. Uh, you are a very analytical guy. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean that in the most complimentary way possible, but Mm -hmm. you know, Excel, Note-taking, everything's documented, uh, all your hunts are documented, weather, all that kind of stuff, and I'm assuming that a lot, that, that you have those same traits in how you prepare for a hunt, um, so it's now August, you've got a yep. hunt next week, yep. uh, but then you've got you know, the normal uh, hunts that we do, You know antelope, mule deer, and whatever, that you've got the rest of the year. Uh, walk us through what Ryan Damon
3: does to get a rifle set up. So, this year is actually kind of unique, but I'll I'll backtrack to last year, kind of leads into what I did this year and why. Uh, So, I built this custom gun two years ago, shot a mule deer with it that first year, Uh, and then last year, I took this rifle out a bunch hunting, never fired a shot during a hunt. So, it was in and out of the truck, in and out of tree stands, hiked around in the pack, but I never fired a shot during a hunt, just opportunity never came up, so... Put that away, and I didn't get it out till a month ago, we'll say.
1: Yeah, j- late June, early July. Yeah, it
3: was this summer. Getting ready for this upcoming antelope hunt because that's a, a unique situation where I'm going on a rifle hunt end of August, Labor Day weekend, basically. That Yeah, that usually, doesn't happen. It's usually November. So I wanted to make sure that was ready to go for this, this antelope trip. So I had previously zeroed at 200 yards, did my normal thing uh factory ammo 200 yards i had my dope chart that i got taped in my scope and i'm i am analytical in a lot of things but i'm probably not as analytical in the rifle setup for a hunting application as a lot of other guys in the office that okay. we i mean you guys i'm not shooting 30 round groups at 300 yards and yeah absolutely getting in dialing in that tight because the ranges I'm hunting at probably six hundred yards max for shooting an animal. Yeah.
0: yeah. I would imagine though that's a lot because usually around September first in Nebraska you're in a stand with a stick and a string.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a yeah. big <laughs> archery hunter, so I'm not even really thinking about gun hunting till till November you know, Right, you? yeah. Sure. So it
1: is unique just in the time
3: frame. Yeah. I'm you're shooting sure. a, shooting a bow a lot all summer, so I mixed in this summer I'm mixing in I think three three different weekends now. Prioritize shooting a rifle outside different shooting positions realistic hunting scenarios but so that's what i've been doing i shot outside multiple times now just to confirm my chart is my elevation is good and I'm basically i'm just more practice in shooting positions off sticks off a tripod with a bag for rear support that type of thing hmm. and if i'm if i can hit an eight inch plate at 400 yards sitting pretty consistent very consistently i'm i'm pretty confident in a being successful on antelope hunt So that's basically what I've been doing up till now.
1: What caliber is your new rifle? 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah, we've mentioned, we talked about this on a a, a couple podcasts ago that, man, he put together a pretty slick nickel. I mean, it is short barrel, carbon fiber barrel, carbon fiber stock, custom action, fantastically applicable scope. Uh, I mean, it's just set up. Just perfect. It shoots great. And you're shooting factory precision hunter. Yep. Good light rifle. Carry it in. Yeah. Yeah. And short.
3: Prior to that I had a my first quote unquote custom. I just rebarreled a bought a Hawa barreled action. Put a Bartland barrel on that. Put it in a it was H S stock. And uh shot shot fine, shot good. Handloaded for that. Got one hundred seventy five ELDXs is going three grand. But that rifle weighed Twelve pounds, and I hooked that thing in Wyoming. My first, my first real out-of-state rifle hunt with elevation. Mm -hmm. Because uh, oh yeah, because we're uh, here at two thousand feet, eighteen hundred feet a second, or eighteen
1: hundred feet above sea level, rather. Yeah, yeah,
3: feet a second. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, feet.
0: (laughs) We're talking rifles. and We're talking sighting them in. Yeah, but yeah.
3: So So, my my priority was getting a life light rifle I could use for everything. That makes most the time I'm going to do it's deer and antelope. And-
0: well, you hunt a ton of public ground yeah. where it's walk-in access only, where you see the differences. Me and the light rifle, I, I hunt a lot of private ground. Um, so I have easier access and closer spots to get to than yeah. hiking all the way in. So it's kind of neat to see those differences. I'm enjoying this.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, so here, my question for you, Ryan, you run factory precision hunter ammo. So that it's running consistent. That ammo is, I mean, that is match quality hunting ammunition i mean we've all if, you, if any of us have shot a match there's a good chance we've also shot a match with precision hunter ammo uh, I, i'm sure you have yep i did you, this year you have i know i have uh, it shoots really well so mm-hmm. velocity is consistent uh super low drag bullet uh so you can spit those numbers out you mentioned you've got a on your uh, objective lens you've got a little dope chart out to yep. 500 are you using any other external means to get trajectory solutions in the field Um, Or are you, you know, limiting yourself in distance such that that pre-printed dope chart's going to work?
3: I have the profile set up in a kestrel. Okay. Just in case. Uh, Just in case. I do want to, I did check that last weekend too, just checking my elevation, verifying verifying that program out to 1,000 yards. I'm never going to take a shot at an animal at that, but that boosts my confidence anywhere, anywhere closer than that. Mm -hmm. So I do have that kestrel and it's just me personally, I not shooting matches, not using it a lot for hunting. I like to have the tactile buttons. Oh, sure. Just, yep, check my, I got my two wind.
1: Directions or speeds, rather? Two
3: wind speeds. I know I'm, okay, I'm about three to 10. It's what today's looking like, a three to 10 mile an hour. And then I can set that up so I don't have to constantly track that wind, get that set up for that morning or that afternoon. Check it a few times throughout the day, make sure my wind that I have set up on the kestrel is, accurate to what that day's conditions is then okay now all i got to do is if it's if i'm not super confident in my dope chart i got taped on there if it's 642 and maybe i want to have the perfect situation i want to take that shot yep all right i'll dial that bust and click it in, kestrel. bust out the kestrel and make sure i got elevation dialed appropriately
1: so you're uh one custom rifle running factory ammo so not not playing around with different loads bullets and
3: yeah, you just kind of sticking to the precision hunter yeah and i tried i loaded 143s all oh, maybe i can get these a little faster this uh, i need more velocity i got to and you can't do any really can't do any better than factory ammo oh yeah it's just a really wasted time with yeah 65 creedmoor trying to shoot it better okay maybe i get 100 feet a second but does it really matter does it really does it matter shoot? who yeah. cares
1: can you shoot the difference does it really matter down yeah. range that yeah.
0: is dead yeah it's interesting that you use the Kestrel. I don't know my big fingers. I, I use a Kestrel for my data, but cell phone for my four. Cell phone
1: app. shooting. yeah, yeah that the cell is, phone app comes in pretty clutch. But yeah. that's all. It's good to have options. Yeah, yeah
3: absolutely. You know, I, and I also have the app, and I got it all set up on my phone too. So redundancy. Yep, it's redundancy key. there. Yeah, but smart. If I got gloves on that aren't necessarily working with the phone, that makes that sense. those weather conditions or something. But sure. Yeah. 100% just pre- just my preference.
1: Yep. So you're <laughs> setting it up. You said 100 yards, zero, 200 yards, zero, 200, 200 yards, zero. And then you're running it out to range, making sure all your profiles line up, uh, and then keeping it pretty simple with the factory ammo. Yeah. So kick this over to Preston. I know Preston is the antithesis of what you just said, <laughs> yeah. because this guy's got yeah, I know. Uh, 800 different bullet choices and different powders <laughs> and different primers and whatever. So Preston, what, uh, what's a, what's setting up a rifle look like? For you today, and how does that compare to what you did growing up? Well, I do want to caveat all that with last year.
2: Since starting at Hornady six years ago, I shot my first animal with factory ammunition. But other than that, I've been handloading it all. Wow, and I don't know. It's just something. I, I it's something for me inside that makes me feel good when I can shoot something that I handloaded. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, is it necessary? Absolutely not. But I just I like to do it. Yep. Consequently, I have leftover ammo from every year and every different <laughs> yeah. rifle and every <laughs> different cartridge. That's so my problem. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. What, uh, wh- which one did you I use last year? internal lot numbers yeah. so you can have a cabinet exactly, of them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But like every
2: story, I want to start at the beginning. And so when I was a kid, I became enamored with hunting after watching a VHS deer hunting video that my dad had gotten. I was just like,
1: oh, I want to do
2: that. Yeah. So, yeah yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was before I could hunt, but when i when I finally could i i had a uh, they got me a book, somebody got me a book or somebody had a book just called white tailed deer and it, it had some co authors I remember one of the authors was Gary Clancy, and then I saw him later on in subsequent videos
1: that I had yeah. that's I a bought, really so that simple name cool. so you know it's good. they're not trying to sell you on a gimmick. <laughs> yeah. it's just called white tailed deer we'll uh, like yeah. it
2: in that book in the gear section, they had uh, ballistic tables for the most common cartridges at the time, and we're probably talking circa 1998, maybe, maybe 99, something like that. When so I, was, I already married five years, you were young. Don't <laughs> hate yourself, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to me, to my eye, that ballistic chart said 270 Winchester is is the king. Oh yeah, you can't beat it for deer hunting. It's the flattest. Thing oh, yeah. out there at the time, so yep. I was like. Besides the twenty two two fifty, I didn't want to get that. Was Was Jack O'Connor one of the authors too uh, on this? <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> think so. None of this one. Okay. But to Walmart we go, and I got a Remington seven ten and two seventy. Yeah, and I baby. was shooting one hundred and thirty grain lead points. I don't even remember whose they were, but anyway, started out with that. The very first time I zeroed it, I was like, "Well, that ballistic chart said I need to zero it at two hundred yards." Well, we struggled so badly at one hundred shooting off of the tailgate of my dad's Ford F two fifty that we just called it good there.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Consequently, that that gun never took an animal. Probably over a hundred yards, maybe one hundred twenty. was about it. So I started doing that, and and really, I didn't rifle hunt that much growing up. After that, I think I had a twenty two two fifty that I zeroed over a pack on a piece of cardboard in our cornfield, and then that was that since started
1: since i've started working here well let's let's stop right there for a minute just to just to set the the tone we talked about where ben's hunting you're hunting uh kind of south central south eastern nebraska good still good trees more pasture less crop ground than what you're probably used to in nebraska uh in your neck of the woods depending on where or how close well you are
2: yeah where i live there's definitely more crop ground than pasture but where i hunt there's more pasture than crop ground probably Mm yeah i'm where i hunt is almost darn near kansas half mile away is the closest but um yeah i started working here you talked me into getting a 6.5 creedmoor and i was like what's a 6.5 creedmoor and (laughs) and then you know i was a tech so i learned it all real quick and i got a 6.5 creedmoor you gave me some suggestions on
1: what to get and i just got it here's here's what i told him uh 41.5 41.5 grains of H4350, the end. That, there's no load development after that. That Nothing. just works. Yep. And,
2: I, and I tried it all. I did the OCW and all that test, whatever. I think I ended up with 41.5 grains of H4350. But this is Creedmoor, Bell & Carlson, big old stock on it. I think it weighed 12 pounds, yeah. maybe 13. I don't know. But it, it shot heavy. like it a house of fire. That barrel shot, well, I've since then changed my, My group shooting practices, but it shot the best group I've ever shot out of a factory barrel. But anyway, uh, I did have Ford off at the time. Those before, you know, we had a Hornady Kestrel or anything like that. Um, Probably a zero range back then in Mm -hmm. 2016, 2017. Uh, Yeah, and and then nowadays, like I just did two guns a little bit ago for a friend. And sometimes I'll do that. You know, people want me to zero their guns and I don't understand why, but I'll I'll do it. I have a hard time saying no. But I did that and I will do a zero angle. Um so I don't really know where I'm zeroed typically. It's high at a hundred. I don't really care particularly. By, yeah. By a little bit. Much. About little an inch bit.
1: high, half an inch high, somewhere in there. Yep.
2: As long as all the shots are going above zero, it just makes the calculation super easy. Um I will take the phone. And then I'll have it on the Kestrel as backup. Two is one, one is none. Uh,
1: And that's really all there is to it. You just set up with zero angle. So to give a little more insight to the listener, what Preston's talking about is in the Ford Off app, which is the ballistics solver that uh, we created here at Hornady, you have the option to run traditional zero range, which is what most people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. But we also give you the option to run zero angle. And without diving into a rabbit hole of zero angle, I uh, will we'll blanket it by saying it captures the line of sight and the line of departure angle between your scope, your line of sight, to the scope and the departure angle of your barrel and the environmental conditions you're shooting in, wind speed, direction being critical. Uh, and then it correlates that to the impacts on paper. And uh, you can back the, the computer back calculates that out to what that angle was and then Regardless of where you go in the world, if you encounter a different frost wind and different elevation, different temperature, it accounts for that for your ballistic solution. And it is the best way to zero a rifle. Um, you know, for hunting distances, probably not super critical, but right. it's a variable that you can control, so you control it. And you do that in the, in the Ford Off app, and you have it set up on the Kestrel. Yep, and, and I will say we will probably dive into a podcast about this in
0: a later date. 100 Literally just yeah. zero angle. Zero angle.
2: And that'll probably be on Quinlan's Corner.
1: Quinlan's Corner is what we're going to call it.
0: He's yeah. the one that taught me the zero angle, and since then I determine whether I set up a scope for a zero or whether I set up zero angle on the optic. Mm-hmm. You know, do I have the adjustable turrets with the right kind of you know, MOA or mil, sure. so that I can adjust them. Because to me, having a zero angle in that app doesn't do any good because I'm going to, you know, give it the old, K- the old Kentucky windage, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that 300 wind mag I talked about, that's three and a half high at 100. And that's what I shoot for. You know, all of these rifles I talked about when we zero at 100, that's not necessarily zero. Right. We shoot at 100-yard target. Most of them are two, two and a half high because then I can tell the kids all right, your range is to this. You can shoot to here. If oh, they're sure. beyond that then you start you, to have to it, hold we have to over. start talking about that. Yeah. Okay. And I know that at three and a half inches high I'm hair all the way to three fifty. That's with the my max
1: point blank range. And that's what I love. Yep. You know? And keeps so, it simple for sure. Absolutely. And yeah, especially like you said, in those in those hills, those really choppy hills that you're hunting in. Yeah, I mean you're gonna get a shot opportunity from twenty to two hundred and then after that it's they're gonna be out their way. So yeah funny story you remember the
0: were you around when i built that 338.6 got her all tuned in I don't know. just i i mean i did the most preparation work i've ever done in any year getting that so i was good to 400 450 500 knew my dopes ready to go sitting in the hunting blind opening morning taking a sip of coffee i hear a neighbor shoot i'm like what's going on <laughs> overruns the hill Runs this buck, he stops right by the fence, 20 yards from my blind. <laughs> all this preparation. 200-grain 200, 200 <laughs> Hornady SST? <laughs> it's right. Yeah. Right through him. He didn't oh, go anywhere, but that
2: all that happens.
0: prep, 20 yards. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's best-case
2: scenario. I will say a couple of things I forgot. Uh, Ryan's been practicing this summer. Ben, you'll practice before the season. Yep. Um, growing up with that 270, I may check it for zero every other year. Yeah. And probably should do it every year. I mean, yeah. kind of owe it to the animal. Hindsight, that was a little silly, but every time I did it, I bullseyed sure. it. 100%. So
0: did Dad for ten
2: years, and right th- that until last year until he did. Until he didn't. Until he didn't. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this year, uh, you know, I'm I'm dialing more. I I, I, I shot four matches this year with this year, which is a little bit low. You know, I had kids, mm-hmm. but so that's gonna, the way it's going to be. But shooting those matches, I feel like mid range shots are pretty easy. Yeah, and mm. I hate to say that you know because I'll screw something up. Just just watch, but yeah, yeah because you're you're more prepared. Oh, yep. absolutely. Yep. And then when we, I was 14 years old and had that 270, 400 yards was just not impossible. Even oh. in the,
1: not even in the yeah, not don't. Even and think at the
2: time, way. I was like, I looked at that chart and I'm like, well, that chart says I need to hold 40 some inches, and like through that scope, I know what 40 some oh, inches. Of course, yeah, like, yeah exactly. You know, exactly. Calibrated eyeball. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll never
0: forget my first match, uh, moving target. I believe it was 500 yards. I don't remember how big it was, but it's like going back and forth. Hopefully a full-size ipsych. <laughs> and they, they started helping me, and I hit that thing eight of ten times. Yep. I was I surprised to myself. Mm-hmm. Would I ever try that at a moving animal at 500? Absolutely not. Yeah. But what I did- hit that thing, you know, whatever size target it was, yeah. eight of ten times. I was like, wow. Yep. So it, it, sometimes it's an eye-opener, just like when I said with my nieces and nephews, that all the way to that far corner of the bean field, you know, 437, I think it was. And I just tell them, well, hold here, here, take this rifle. It's ready. Just hold it. Bang. And they, their eyes just light up that that's, how is that even possible? Yeah. Well,
1: it's a great thing with, uh, with the right material and and the right mechanics and a little bit of time and some know-how you can be really consistent. And it, that really is, uh, remarkable and it becomes almost to the point of really nonchalant like we're, we're pretty cavalier about it you know if i'm out in a field by myself shooting steel it, it, i'm not even really getting excited about shooting anything you know because it's I, I know i can hit it and i know i can put a group on it it's just how tight of a group are you going to shoot exactly but you rewind the clock not that long ago because uh sorry ben but the other three of us are pretty young fellas not that long ago <laughs> it was impossible you know what i mean yeah and i'm very similar to Preston and uh you as well, Ben. So growing up, uh I didn't have a three hundred one mag or a two hundred seventy. Uh my dad wanted uh, uh something a little more niche, uh something that had a little more cool factor. So my first rifle was uh, a M seventy seven Mark II two fifty seven Roberts. Very nice. Bob. Yep. My
0: uncle had a two fifty seven Roberts Mauser sporterized. Oh yeah. Loved the trigger. I hate it today. But you pull, and you pull, yeah. and you pull, and you pull, and finally it goes bang. He said, well, that's a
1: surprise, ain't it? And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> well, so my dad has an old Pacific Tool engaged trigger shoe that, that has set screws that you put on uh, factory triggers. So it's got a nice shoe, factory trigger, never been touched up. So it's, it's pretty heavy, and it never shot great. And this would have been about, yeah, 1998 or so. Uh, this was back when uh, Hornady had the uh, light magnums. you get the light mag and the heavy mag ammo so hornady light mag 117 grain stuff and then you know we hand loaded for it of course hornady 117 grain bullets and every year i look forward to it uh it was usually on a weekend it'd be me and dad with a a box and dad owned this gun shop way back in the day for a few years and i'm guessing this is where he picked up these targets but they were black and white targets o-rings and uh, he had a stack of them. He probably still has a stack of them in the basement. I mean, it was forever. We shot, when we shot bows, we'd shoot at those and he'd tape that to a cardboard box and we'd go out uh, to the, to the meadow. It was called uh, three hay fields together. So in later years we would stretch out and shoot, you know, you could shoot out to like 1200 yards in there. But at the time we'd go out to the meadow and pre-range finder days, dad would step off a hundred paces, put the box and, you know, I'd, Lay down with a uh, with a uh, an old sandbag, and we'd shoot it, looking for yeah, inch and a half to two inches high at a hundred, and where we hunted and the way in which we hunted wasn't going to be much further of a shot than that. Um, didn't really clean barrels to, to oh, say God, the least. No, no, no. I, we should mention that. Yeah, so no. yeah. so every year, <laughs> never ever. So I hunted uh, with a rifle primarily. Did some you know shot a lot of bows, but primarily rifle hunting from was when I was legally able. Until high school. And then in college, you know, we'd come back and uh, Nebraska had a late doe season. And the roommate and I that lived together in college, you know, we ate deer meat. So we, I'd go home and shoot two does. And uh, every year we'd yeah, put them in the freezer. Uh, and that two fifty seven Roberts, I did shoot a doe uh, at a distance that I'm unsure of with a Kentucky <laughs> windage in hindsight, likely in the 300, 350 yard range. Uh, but I did know that gun pretty well and it shot great. Uh, but again, never cleaned the bore shot, you know, roughly five to 10 shots before season, usually two weeks before season or a month before season before it was too cold because Nebraska rifles always in November. And that's, that's how it was. And, uh, you know, we did dabble shooting stuff far away, you know, especially when we, you know, the old man got a range finder and he had a, he had a 308 Winchester and, uh, it had a BDC scope. it was when the Nikon monarch first came out, and uh, you yeah, know had some hot rod handloads and what's the with the circles in it? oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I remember hitting a milk jug and it was it was a long ways out, and I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world, but again, the thought of ever being able to do that consistently you know yeah you I never had no idea, but uh then yeah, you fast forward and you start getting into shooting competitions, and now you're shooting matches at ranges that you know you're shooting groups at ranges that you'd never thought you'd be able to and Your proficiency level goes up, and so uh, now, for me, when I get a rifle ready, I'm kind of in Preston's camp. I've got barrels spun off. I got scopes laying over here, actions that are not even in a stock, and I need to keep a very conscious effort to go, oh, okay, season's in. Three months away, I need to put a rifle together, because it wasn't long ago. 2019, I was taking my wife hunting for mule deer, and there were tags available still, and I was like, "Wow, I'll just get one just in case." So I grabbed a tag. I didn't have a gun put together. I'm leaving the next day, so uh, oh, wow. So uh, luckily, we you know it was a it was a Friday, and uh, uh, here at the office, I was able to. Okay, I got this barrel, and so for me, whether it's a day before the hunt, which I haven't done ever since then, uh, or three months before the hunt, which is more what I try to do, I kind of do the same thing. And the first thing I like to do is I will clean the bore uh generally because one i usually put things away dirty and i let them sit dirty or i'll i'll run a patch of oil down if i know it's going to sit for a while i'll take some hornady one shot and i'll run some oil down there just for for erosion resistance i suppose uh so i'll clean them and i've been a big fan of bore tech eliminator and uh wipe out i don't know what you guys been using i know preston's a, a bore tech eliminator guy so i typically uh will clean the bore with uh Vortec Eliminator, uh, so I know I'm good, and I'm not scrubbing it down to bare steel, more of a maintenance cleaning, you know, just getting the, the loose stuff out or getting the big chunks. So I'll clean it uh, with Vortec Eliminator, usually, and uh, I'll put the rifle together, and then for me, I'm g- i I got to foul the barrel. Obviously, you're not going to go hunting on a clean barrel, and so I'll usually put a 5 to 10 shot group down at 100 yards, and I'm looking for an impact somewhere. Between a half and an inch high at 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just like Preston said, that's because I'm a believer. I'm a devout believer in zero angle. Zero angle. Yeah. And, that, and that's not to say that you can't impact low at 100 yards. No, you certainly can. It's just easier. Counterintuitive for me to be yeah, low sometime. at 100. Yeah. Um, so I'm always going to set up a zero angle, but I will take those first five to 10 shots at 100. Now, sometimes I'll set up the zero angle at further distances, but typically I'm going to do a 100 yard target and my impact will be somewhere you know in that neighborhood Mm -hmm. and then i'll set up the zero angle sure Um, i really like to do that but i'm always messing around with factory ammo different bullets different powder so i try to hone in on what i'm going to do well before season or as as, soon as if it's an industry hunt or something or if it's something that just pops up try to get as much time as i possibly can to get familiar with what i'm going to run pick a bullet pick a load and pick it soon so i can spend more time getting familiar with it um, that's to me super important and i think it's part of you know it's part of what we do here is we're we're always trying to innovate and part of that is i want to see how different bullets perform in different scenarios and what offers me the best you know how can i how can i mess up and still accomplish my goal and sometimes that's running a lighter bullet a little faster so it's a little flatter or, you know, running the, you know, the, the heavier weight bullets with less drag. So I have less wind deflection or something like that. So I'm always playing around. Um, but I try to isolate what I'm going to run for the hunt as soon as I can get my zero angle set up. And then for me, it's all about validation. Ryan spoke about it. Uh, I know you're doing similar things, getting redundancy. Preston stole one of my favorite sayings. Two is one, one is none, or uh, you got a pair, you got a spare. I don't yeah. think I stole that. I mean, a, well, lot, I, of, a lot of people. You just say used that. it in this before he got say to you. Uh, yeah, he it was planning was, on it. That's a military thing. Sake. You hurt his feelings, I uh, guess. I picked up from First Sergeant uh, Del Valle. Used to say that. Well, I picked a, it up from you. So. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> but it's true. You stole it. Yeah. So I like to have primary for me is cell phone board off. That is my primary. I use that for matches. As I'm well. so comfortable f- with it. I, just, I trust it, and so for me, I, I know the the cell phone. I have the, the Ford Off Kestrel. I've duplicated the profiles, um, but the Kestrel for me is more like if I want some environmentals. If I have to use it for dope, I will, but I primarily use the cell phone, and then I have laser, laser range-finding binoculars as well, and if I'm going on a rifle hunt, be damned if I don't have a set of laser range-finding binoculars. To. I mean, it me is just well. the way. So what I like to do, Typically, I'm going to hand load, uh, get my load picked, get the rifle cleaned, get everything zeroed, set up to zero angle. Now I'm confirming, do, is my real world drop matching what Fordoffs is telling me? And if it is, does my cell phone match my Kestrel? And can I get a range with my binoculars, put the dope in, call the wind and make a good shot? And for me, that is huge. That gives me, that's the confidence boost. That takes you just past the click is when you're, when you've got redundancy and getting your dope. You know your rifle's shooting great. Um, And then, yeah, you run it out to distances way further than you're planning on hunting. Uh, That's what I like to do. And uh, then you just have confidence. Yeah, so where long range now turns into mid range and those mid range shots, that four or 500 yard shot is not that difficult anymore. And, uh, you know, I always thought it was cool growing up hunting with hand loads because it was like kind of cool. Well, now I like to hunt with hand loads Because I have, and Preston and I have talked about this uh, topic here just this afternoon. A little bit of like just some anal retentive traits. Um, You know, I'm sure we all share just different OCD esque type things. And for me, you know, like I know that there are 41.5 grains of powder in this cartridge case because I poured it in there and I've got the best scale money can buy. And I'm, you know, everything's measured to the kernel and I'm only loading. 20 rounds let's say and i can guarantee you that to a man every single one of those is right you ever try to split a kernel to try to make it red? <laughs> no yeah, i learned
0: that was the wrong thing to do but i used to try that i used to have we tweezers used to use tweezers yeah and then, then uh, i used them and i was like this is dumb but yeah. ultimately <laughs> well, we, as you said ultimately everything we're talking about here today and everything that each one of us does maybe differently or the same is ultimately about confidence oh yeah, yeah. so that we have the confidence in the rifle so that if we go out there and miss it's the well, nut behind the bolt. Oh. It was the nut behind yeah. the bolt. Not Period. to get on a soap. Don't don't pretend like I'm getting on a
2: soapbox here or anything Soapbox like fresh. But if you're going to shoot an animal, you should probably know where that bullet's going to go. Oh, yeah. You, you owe it the to the him,
0: Mr. Sight in your 270 every other year. Well, that <laughs> was a long time ago. That <laughs> well, was a yeah, nightmare. I get it. I get it, though. Yeah. But yeah. we
1: all grow and, and, and evolve as hunters. And again, this is tangential not to get on a soapbox, but there's something so cool about it and, and, and it, it comes full circle and it's, it means so much more to hunt when you're sharing it with family or when it's a a, a big hunt, you say you're doing something solo, you know, there's something, you know, kind of romanticized about that too, where you're, you know, you're, you're on public land, you're packed in ways or whatever, like mm-hmm. whatever, for whatever reason, it becomes so much more of an experience when you're, super confident you've practiced you've done the hand loads or you've got you know really good factory ammunition you know everything's shooting good and you harvest the animal and it's all awesome and for me the older i get where i was going with this was i enjoy the moments after the tag is notched and after the pictures are taken and you you put the new blade into the havilon and and just processing the animal, getting the quarters off and getting the back straps out, to me, what that used to be something I had to do. And the more I do it, the more I become like, you know, I take my time more. And, and honing that craft has almost gotten, you know, as important or more important than preparing the rifle for the hunt. Yeah. Um, and it's all about, yeah, growing as a hunter. And, yeah, when I'm 15, just like Preston and you're shooting a cardboard box with a little target on it and it's good enough, you know, I would never do that now. One, just because we know better, but two, because I feel like I owe it to the animal and it becomes a lot more, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Call oh, dang, you're going
2: to bring a tear to my eye. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: well, it, it is, it's, it's It's like that. It really is. And I, No, it, you're, you're right. And we've talked about that
0: before. Yeah, and for, that's, yeah that, that's a big thing. And from early on, we had that. We, German, German descent, we made sausage since I was knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah. And I still, to this day-
1: Hang take it on that your rear deer. view mirror
0: in the take, hot sun. Yeah. <laughs> take that day and, and we take a day, uh, you know, and prep all that deer, uh pork, and whatever we have for wild game and we make sausage. So I mean that's a listener side deal.
2: note, Ben Searing is a professional sausage maker. Uh, no, no, I do oh, it. Oh, you, you're really I, good. You've got I wasn't, all the equipment.
1: You take
0: days to do it,
2: multiple yeah, days. I wasn't lying days, so. about the
1: sausage in the River Mere thing.
0: No, I did that one time. That was a funny story. <laughs> I, I make a g- traditional German dried. I'll tell the story real quick because yeah. I know we got to get going here. No, but, no, this is great. But t- it's a traditional German dried. So, y- you know, you smoke it in the smokehouse for four days in the evenings. It's cold smoke. Cold smoke, no heat. And uh, then you dry it down. For fourteen to twenty-one days. Okay, so we were going to go to this auction, and we everybody loves that stuff. My I can't keep my nephews out of it. The great thing is you freeze it, you pull it out of the freezer, and it's ready to eat because it's dried down. There's it. There was nothing in there to freeze. Um, anyway, so we're eating it on the way to the auction. I had one link left. Um, I just said, well, let's go to this auction. It's kind of a sunny day. I grabbed it and flipped it over the rearview mirror. You know, a link of sausage hanging there. Go to this auction, come back three hours later, open the doors. It Smells like a smokehouse in there. <laughs> I look on my dash and I see grease dripped. The, the sun had plumped that sausage back up and cooked it. We ate it. <laughs> it <better laughs> Truck smelled good for a while, but I just thought that was crazy. But yeah, that's the truth. You weren't you yeah. weren't lying. What what type of sausage was that one called? It just dried. It's we dried. we called it dried as as, not, as a kid. No kind of a first. Like a that sounds like first. Well, tank. you can call it dried first. I suppose it would. A lawn jaeger would be a close, but we don't put near the spices. This was a recipe that grandpa did a long time ago because back then you didn't have refrigeration. My great aunt would pack those in a crock, put lard, put another layer, lard, another layer. And when you wanted one, she had newspapers by the lard crack, lard crock. You just shoved your hand down in the lard till you felt one, ripped it out, used the newspaper to wipe it off. That softened the the casing peeled the casing and there was always butter bread and jelly on the table you wow. ate that dried sauces with butter bread and jelly good stuff
1: that sounds uh, yeah like a cultural experience well look at me i mean yeah. well, look at me i'm now I, i'm hungry <laughs> 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 so yeah great stuff one more point before we wrap this up uh that i feel we have an obligation to say on the air you're going to hear this in the month of September. Largely, the, the, most of the country's rifle season are going to open up after this. Mm-hmm. If you haven't prepared your rifle, go and do it. And if you don't have ammo for the upcoming hunt, I know it's, it's, it's tough. You owe it to yourself for the headache. Go find some now. Even if yep. your hunt's not till December, go get the ammo you need or you think you're going to need and, and get it early because there's no... Nothing worse than scrambling.
0: Yep. Right. And if you're a line. reloader, make sure you have all your components and get this get it ready. Yeah.
1: 100%. I mean, I mean I know we'll 100%. probably get flack for that
2: comment because there are just some cartridges yeah. that we can't seem to keep up on, even though we're making them around the clock. But yeah, if you can't find yeah. them in the store near you, look online. If you can't find them online, look in the store near you. They might have them. Yeah. You know,
1: it's it, it is it is pretty wild that you know I I uh, uh, work. Uh, on the computer just like everybody else and i'm always looking at our production schedule and there are just some cartridges that never come off the production schedule they're virtually always running running all the time and the remarkable part is when you go somewhere and you look for that cartridge on the shelf there it's not there or yeah people reaching out to you saying they can't find it anywhere and it's like i've been watching the production schedule for the last year and a half and we've been running six five prc constant and people are still having trouble finding you know that's just one example but I know, I know, yeah, you're right, Preston. We'll probably take some flack on that. But just, yeah, even if, if, you, if you have thought about it, okay, you know, no don't, offense don't needed. Don't make it uh, uh, an emergency exactly. if you can help it. Yep. Yep. Then, yeah, because then you're going to be right. less prepared. And if you have to sacrifice, well, I normally shoot a 165-grain bullet, but all I could find was 150, you've got time to get that 150-grain option and get your rifle dialed in with it. Yep. There you go. Yep. Oh, hey, Seth?
0: Bring that act. Bring that uh, Robertson. Let's make it an Ackley.
1: You know what? I, I, so <laughs> this is tangential, again, and completely unrelated to what we're talking about. But I've got two boys, and I've 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 fantasized about okay, what what do you get them for their first rifle when they're old enough? And I've all I've got a quarter inch hole in my heart, you know, for the two fifty seven. I hear it, you. I've always have. So if y'all didn't catch that, a quarter size hole. 257
0: okay it's not quite a quarter 250 quarter is inch. a quarter if we're going to be totally because cor- the engineers it's are going to go off on you <laughs> it's okay. a corny pun is what <laughs> that is yeah,
1: either way uh so i was like do you just go straight 257 robbers i got tons of brass tons of ammo obviously and just keep the nostalgia going but what i've often thought about is gosh you know 257 ackley 30 degree shoulder instead of 40 do a 30 degree ackley yep. be pretty cool and then it's like yeah, or I could do a 25 Creedmoor Wildcat for them. You know, it'd be a Wildcat and would I'd have be. easier brass to get. It'd fit better in a short action. But they're getting a, a quarter bore regardless. They have no choice in the option. But, you know, uh, my 257 Roberts, I still have the rifle. It's got the same very X2, 2 to 8 by 36 loop hold on there that dad put on. It shoots okay. Uh, it, it, it shot the 87 grain spire points with imr 4064 it shot that right at a minute and i didn't discover that until the month that hornady discontinued that bullet because we had some reject bullets left on the shelf i snatched up 100 of them which was all that was there they shot great so i've got like 60 bullets of that in a imr 4064 with an 87 grain spire
0: got to keep tradition let your yeah. boys shoot their first deer with your rifle 25 bore, then build them a 25 yeah point. there you go yeah there we go that's what
1: that's we'll Yeah, that was awesome. I appreciate you guys giving us, yeah, your insight and your background about what you guys do, and and hopefully our listeners can pull out some things. One, don't wait. Two, test it out at distances that you don't plan on hunting, so that when you become proficient at those ranges, the ranges that you're actually going to hunt, you're even more proficient. Uh, Check out Hornady Fordoff. You know, the the zero angle feature um, is something that there's a lot of computational power there that that if, you know, if you're going on a hunt where you're going to go from right here at 2,000 feet and you got a hunt at 9,000 feet, this, that feature right there will, will save you some headaches. So check yeah. that out. And uh, one last thing, I think uh, the podcast team and I, we've been talking about doing a Q&A episode. You know, hit us up with questions. So uh, if you've got questions that you want answered, uh, hit us up at podcast at hornady.com uh, with what you want answered. We'll sort through those. We'll get the right people on the podcast to answer them and I think that'd be pretty cool. So, um, uh, yeah, podcast at hornady for your questions, concerns, suggestions, uh, what have you. Any closing remarks around the table? I will throw this out there. Um
2: if you're a new hunter, or if you're a hunter that you know maybe hasn't got to this level yet, and I'm not saying that you know we're we're the ultimate hunters or anything ethical police or anything like that, if you go buy a gun and a scope at a box store and they say we'll bore sight it for you for nothing you still need to sight in your gun yeah. what that means is they've pointed the barrel and they've looked through the barrel at a target or they've put a laser in the barrel pointed in a direction and then they've matched the crosshairs to where the barrel
0: is looking at yeah. that's it it's still not
1: yeah. sighted in that's yep. a good, good
0: point, point. You, need to, you need to
1: at least fire it so you have the confidence Yep. Ryan yep. any last thoughts?
3: nope not really we got to Maybe after our antelope deals, we'll have to catch up. Yes, we will. We'll didn't we even talk and after. about muzzleloader loader muzzleloader prep. Yeah, oh, a muzzleloader that's high. even that's even yeah
2: We're that's gonna, even more. Yeah, it is. Man, well. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just throw this in here real quick. Oh, okay, Sneaky. okay, smokeless muzzleloader. Oh, uh, oh let's put to in this the same guy. amount of powder that I always have on it. Oh. <laughs> it. It is sighted in right now. Keep that in mind. I have that one zeroed at 100 yards. The bullet is not in Fordoff. off I, at 100 yards. I will dial it to two minutes of angle that's the only scope i have a minute of angle and i will walk around with it on two minutes of angle it's kind of a little little trick but uh i'm just going to check that and make sure it's on because your muzzleloader hunt takes a, long a yeah, time coming right to, up. yeah, to yeah shoot,
1: but
3: three weeks whoop, yeah getting, getting excited four weeks
1: yeah for, for those of us
0: that don't have smokeless mother loaders we, we've got mother loaders my, 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 yeah
1: it's it's time <laughs> yeah right one last thing that i thought of uh, that kind of relates to Ryan's situation. You know, I said, I'm usually got a a, a scope over here and I want to put this stock on there and I'm swapping barrels. So when I put a gun together for a hunt, I'm physically screwing it together. Well, if you've got a rifle that, that you haven't maybe recheck those, those torque specs on your scope rings, your scope base, your action screws, just one last thing to make sure nothing's loose, especially on those, those, uh, you know, Western style hunts where, you know, or you're pounding on the sandhills or you're actually in the high country somewhere and you might get, you might have to take a far shot, um, you know, loose, or even at close range, those loose action screws, loose scope base, something will get you if you're not careful. So one thing to to keep in mind with that.
2: And use an inch pound torque wrench so you don't over
1: torque anything. Yeah, you can break things right off. Awesome, guys. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, with that, everybody out there in podcast land, thanks for tuning in and we will catch you guys on the next one.